Turn with me this evening to uh, Psalm 115 and 2 Corinthians 3. Psalm 115 and verse 14. Psalm 115, 14. It says, the Lord shall increase you. How many take that personally for yourself? You say, I... Is that the word of the Lord to you? The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Can you see the progression here? He's talking about you just going up and up and up, and it's not stopping with you. Continues on with your children. Even after you're gone, they're still coming up. Increasing. Somebody say increasing. Increasing. Do you understand that God is the God of increase? 1 Corinthians 3 talks about that, doesn't it? He says, God gave the increase. Then it repeats it again a couple of verses later. God that gives the increase. God's the God of increase. He's not the God of decrease. He's not the thief. He's not the the one who takes away, who diminishes you. And yet you hear even a lot of Christians, I mean, uh, things happen and their church is not half the size that it used to be and their income is a fourth of what it used to be and their business is a fraction of what it used to be. And they'll tell you these stories about how that God's doing a purging. And God's doing a work. And uh, because they are so important to God that the devil has unleashed half the forces of hell against them. And the implication is that if you really obey God, you're going down. Anybody know what I'm talking about or not? Have you ever heard that? I said, oh, man. You know, when we decided to do that project for God, oh, brother, all hell broke loose. We lost this and we lost that. And people go, yeah, ain't that the truth, boy? You know, if you're trying to do something for the Lord, the devil will just, you know, eat your lunch. Well, there's something inherently wrong with that idea. You mean to tell me that the more we obey God, the more cursed we will be? Because when you're losing and when you're being destroyed and when you're being consumed, that's curse. That's not blessing. You're being cursed. And it really is giving the devil far too much credit. I got four or five people with me. Other folk go, well, that's what I said last Sunday in my pulpit. Well, I'm sorry, but (laughs) what scripture did you base it on? No, they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, it's true, and many are the afflictions of the righteous, but, don't leave that part out, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Out of them all. You know, uh, years ago, I first started in the ministry, the uh, 
thoughts kept coming to my mind from the enemy. I don't mean I'm hearing a voice, but thoughts. You're not going to make it very long. You're going to die. You're not going to get started in this ministry. I mean, the devil's, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. These thoughts kept coming. I'm going to kill you. And, uh, I mean, this went on for months. Well, the enemy is always trying to plant something in you. Always trying to get some kind of fear in you. Thank God for the greater one inside us, though. Came up from my insides. Though I don't mean, again, I don't mean I heard a voice, but the Lord prompted me. So won't you ask him why he hasn't already done it? I thought, yeah. I began to get a little sassy. Then I thought, yeah. That's right. Yeah, bad boy. Why haven't you already taken me out? You so bad? You gonna kill me? You so bad? Why haven't you taken me out already? Why not when I was five years old? Why didn't you kill me then? I've heard stories about how you tried. And of course, when I was old enough, I mean, uh, <laughs> I went to the emergency room almost every summer. <laughs> From something to get stitches for something. I mean, there's many times I could have been taken out. Why didn't you take me out then? Or why not when I was 15? I did plenty of stupid stuff. When I was 18, when I was 21, why haven't you taken me out already? Just maybe because you liked me a little bit and wanted to let me live a little longer. And you just kind of, you know, showed me some mercy, which you don't have any. What? You know why he hasn't already killed me and you? He's tried. He's done everything he knows how to do to take us out. And we're still here because he can't. He can't. He hasn't been able to. God has watched over us. His angels have kept us. And if we will endeavor to obey Him and believe Him and walk with Him, He will continue to keep us all the way till we run our whole race, finish our whole course. So this idea about, well, if you really decide to obey God 100%, look out. Look out, man, the devil's going to attack you. He's going to hurt you. He's going to kill and steal and rob. Hold on now, you're telling me because I decide to obey God fully, I've opened the door for the devil to work more in my life? Why are you talking about this, Brother Keith? Because people are unwittingly opening the door through this kind of thinking. It's fear-based. And people are actually excusing what's going on because they decided to obey God. Are y'all with me on this? What are we talking about now? Are we supposed to believe that because we fully obey God, the devil has room to maneuver in our life? Why wouldn't it be the opposite? Some folks still don't have this. How can I say it, Lord? What people don't realize, I'm talking about ministers now too. Ministers are some of the worst in this. They make all kind of excuses, you know, why this bad thing happened and why that bad thing happened and why this got stolen and why this got messed up because 
we're on a mission from God and we're trying to do what the Lord told us to. Boy, this, you hear Christians say it all the time. Boy, it must really be the Lord that I try to do this because I've had nine bad things happen this week already. You're telling me that works of the devil are confirming the will of God to you. And see, what happens is when you think like that, you're being superstitious. Superstitious is another word for fear. And it's your very own fear that opens the door to more of the same. You actually get to the place where now you're believing for it. And people have trained themselves to where that they're reluctant to step out and obey God. And then when they finally do, they're looking over their shoulder. Boy, I know I'm going to get hit. (laughs) Trying to obey God, lick this. Oh, man, I know it's coming. Boom. Oh, there it is. I knew it. Now, boom, boom. Oh, I knew it. If you try to obey God like this, boom, boom, boom. Oh, yeah. Well, where's the rest of it? Boom, boom, boom. (laughs) Not realizing you're inviting it. You're believing for it. Sure, the enemy will try to hinder you. You know, Paul said that. He said, we would have come to you. But Satan hindered us once and again. But notice what he never did say. He never did say he stopped us. (laughs) He did say, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. So sure, the enemy may try some things, but your response should not be, I knew it was coming when you try to obey God like this, you're going to have all kind of trouble. No, you should jump up immediately and say, no, you can't. You are bound up. You are shut down. You can't mess this up. You cannot. I forbid it in Jesus' name. You got no place. Instead of sitting down going, well, I knew it. I knew we'd have trouble on this because this is the will of God. Some folks got to think about this some more. I can tell you're sitting there looking at me going, oh. No, make yourself go back and get scriptures for what you've been saying. Hmm? And how many understand that your fears will come on you? It's a Bible principle. What you dread and fear will come on you. So you must get it out of you. I said you must get it out of you. Okay, we're about to embark on a project for God. We're about to do the will of God. Any trouble coming? We're not expecting any. None. We're expecting to sail through this thing with the grace of God on us. What if something happens? Expect the best and deal with the rest. But never expect problems. Never. I don't care if you've had nine in a row. Get up and say, we're done with that. (laughs) We're done with that. The devil is bound up and shut down. We forbid his operation against this ministry, against this church, against this family, against this business. We forbid it. Has no place in us. No place here. And watch out for the subtlety. Of this fear and dread that people are spiritualizing, going, well, the devil's attacking us because we're obeying God. Get that out of your system. 
And give no place to the enemy. Give no place to the devil. We are anointed. We are empowered. We got the name of Jesus. We got the greater one inside of us. And the devil is bound and shut down. Say it out loud. Bound and shut down. What did Jesus tell the devil when he tried to pipe up and interrupt his services and say and do stuff? He, I mean, he didn't carry on a protracted conversation with him. He said two main things. Shut up and come out. And that's what happened. And the scripture told us whatever we loose will be loosed. Whatever we bind will be bound. Say it again. In my life, in our church, in our ministry. In our businesses, the devil is bound and shut down. He can do nothing. What if it looks like he's doing something? What if it looks like he's doing something? That's where faith comes in. That's when you stand up and go, like I said, (laughs) the devil is bound and shut down. Like I said, he's bound and shut down and you don't let it move you. And even if it looks like he got away with something and hindered you and messed with you a little bit, you stand up and smile. Oh, it makes him mad when you do this. You stand up and smile and you go, like I said, (laughs) in Jesus name, every demon is bound up and shut down concerning this thing cannot hinder us. Cannot work. I forbid it in Jesus' name. But see, when you huddle around with other preachers and go, oh man, I'm telling you, you talk about a test. (laughs) I've never seen so much trouble since we started to do what the Lord told us to do. And they go, ooh, I know what you know. When I tried to do that thing God told me to do. Lost half the crowd and two-thirds of the money. And so that's the way it is when you try to obey. No, it's not the way it is when you obey God. No, no, no. It's that way when you fear it and when you dread it and when you talk it and when you yield to it and when you make excuses, you make allowances. For the enemy to continue to work. It ought to cause you to get right up on your feet and go, no you don't, no you don't. Bound, bound. And shut down. Are y'all with me? Hallelujah. That's not in my notes anywhere. But. Well you know how you going to increase more and more. And you're making excuses for the devil stealing from you all the time. The Lord shall increase us. Say it out loud. The Lord shall increase us. Shall increase me. More and more me and my children. Well, you can't just go down and down and down and have that come to pass. You can't take a step forward and get knocked back three every time. You have to be progressing, increasing, enlarging, advancing. The word increase literally means greater, to become greater. 
Is that the will of God? For everything that is good in your life, everything that is right, to become greater. Your faith to become greater. Your sensitivity and knowledge of Him and yielding to the Spirit and obeying Him to become greater. The anointing on your life to become greater. That wasn't enough excitement on that one. (laughs) Friend, there's nothing like the anointing of God on you. In a greater degree. (sighs) Glory to God. With enough anointing on you. Manifesting on you. You can sit in your chair at home. And just smile. (laughs) And just be thrilled and excited. No matter what's going on in the world. And it's not how smart you are that gets the job done. It's not your eloquence. It's not your knowledge of business and money. It's only the anointing that destroys yokes and removes burdens. That's all it is. The only thing. So if you've got stronger anointing manifesting on you and your life and your family, your church and your ministry, what does that mean? More people getting free. More people getting more free. Is it God's will for the anointing to become greater on you and in your life? Absolutely the will of God. Now go with me to 2 Corinthians, please, the third chapter. We talked about this last night. The Lord met us last night in a wonderful way. I'm believing for much more of that. And uh, this passage was... The truth he was emphasizing to us last night, 2 Corinthians 3, talks about how the first covenant was established with glory. God's glory and fire came down on the mount. God spoke in glory. They heard the audible voice of God. And Moses was up in the glory for 40 days and nights. And when he came down, his skin shone, shined. They asked him to put a cover, a veil over his face because it was unnerving to them. And the Bible tells us that, verse 10, even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excels. That's King James language, but he's saying that that glory doesn't even compare to the glory of our Testament, New Testament, New Covenant. That's not real enough to us. Because we still got all kind of folks longing. They would have liked to have been back at the mountain. <laughs> They'd like to see Moses. And so it's not real then to them that ours is more glorious than theirs. But friends, I'm believing that we're in a day and a time and that God has a people that I I plan to be part of that'll be hungry enough and desirous enough and faith enough to see this more glory, greater glory, greater glory. And we'll have to get our minds changed so that we're not looking back to the past. Longing for those days that are long gone. Ecclesiastes says, don't say, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? 
When the Bible says don't say something, what should you do? You should don't say it. (laughs) What should you don't say? Not say. You should not talk about the good old days and long for them and theorize as to why they're better than our days. The Bible told us not to do that. Why? Because it's unbelief. (laughs) That surprised somebody right then. It's fine to look back and thank God. Yes, be thankful. Yes, recount your blessings and what God did for you last year and the year before and 10 years and 20 years ago. Be thankful and thank God. But don't look back and go, oh man, they had the glory in their services. Oh man, they had miracles. Oh man, they had this. Man, they had that. Oh, I wish we could go back. No, you don't want to go back. Because what's ahead is better. We got no reason to envy them. Did you hear? Or long to be in their time. Since when Jesus was telling the disciples, he said, it's better for you that I go away. It's more expedient, better. They thought, what? No, we're going with you. He said, no, it's better. Why? Because... He was with them, but he said the Holy Ghost is not only going to be with you, he's going to be in you. And you won't have to wait till I get to talking to Peter to talk to me. And we won't have to be in the same place. He will be inside you 24-7 all the time. And how many believe the scripture that we got a better covenant established on better promises, better mediator? Well, the more we believe it, the more we'll see it. No longing for past times and past generations and and when this happened and when that happened. Watch about talking. I mean, some people, they're just bogged up in history. That's all they talk about. It's what happened. (laughs) And, you know, it's easy to find a crowd that'll shout with you about how God moved way back when. Back in the day. Oh, they'll shout. Or if you want to talk about off in the sweet by and by. When God's going to move. Oh, yeah, you get some shouting there too. But if you stand up and go, right now. He's here right now. God's ready to move right now. Glory right now. I see I'm with the right crowd. But, But a lot of folk, they'll look at you like. Well, who does he think he is? Which is exactly what they said to Jesus. Right? When he read out of the scripture and he got through reading and he said, Today, this day, is this scripture fulfilled in your ears right here, right now? And they said, who does he think he is? He's saying he's anointed now? We know that boy. That's Joseph and Mary's boy. Yeah, my brother works with his sister down at the convenience store. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, Jesus himself fixed a plow stock for me back, you know, a couple of months ago. Psh, he's anointed. <laughs> Today, this scripture is happening. Whoa, yeah. 
And they were offended at him. And what the Bible say, he could there do no mighty work. Didn't say he decided not to. He couldn't. They shut his ministry down. Jesus' ministry. They shut it down. Unbelief. Well, God's looking for a bunch of people. They don't just believe he's the great I was. Or the great I will be. But that he is. The great I am. Right here. Right now. For you. For me. And that everything he's ever done. He's doing again. And more. 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 <laughs> I'm glad I came to church tonight. Woo. God will respond to our faith. He will. If we will desire him and believe for him to manifest and quit just looking at each other and try to see him and hear him. He will respond. Didn't the Bible say draw near to him? What? He responds. You must believe that God is. And we must believe he is here. And he is God with all his power. But not stop there. You must also believe he is a rewarder. A responder. A blesser. When we cry out and reach out, you got to believe he answers. You believe him, you hunger for him, you got to believe he responds, he fills, he ministers. Can you say glory to God? Say it again, glory to God. Just lift up your hands right where you are. Just look to the Lord only. Just see him fully for just a moment. Lord, we worship you, we glorify you. We believe in you. We believe in your goodness. We hunger and thirst for your glory. Oh, we seek your face. We seek your goodness. We seek your glory. Get glory to yourself in a greater way. In us, among us, through us, by us. Jesus' holy name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. What does increase mean? To become greater. To become greater. And you know we believe in financial and material prosperity. We do. And it's the will of God. But it's really the smaller part. Of the increase of God. The scripture talks about in uh, Colossians 2.19, talks about individuals that didn't hold to the head, by which all the body, by joints and bands, having nourishment, ministered, knit together, increases with what? The increase of God. If you look at other scriptures, you'll see there are those who prosper in the world. The Bible talks about the ungodly prospering in the world. But then there's a difference between that and prospering in God. 
We're not just hungry for piles of money. Because you can have all the money in the world and be miserable. Miserable. And all the money in the world won't save your soul. Can't heal your body. Can't give you peace of mind. Can't give you a good marriage or a good family. God wants you to have plenty of money, but that's really the smaller part of this thing. What we want is the increase of God. (laughs) And Proverbs says, the blessing of the Lord makes rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. And see, that's what the world's got. I mean, they might have got their money. They might have climbed that corporate ladder by stabbing four people in the back and lying and stealing. And they might have got the big house and they might have got the car, but they got sorrow. They got sorrow. They sitting there by themselves on their fourth marriage and she just left. Bitterness. Gravel in their mouth. And they got the best liquor you can buy, and it ain't making them feel any better. And they got nine new cars in the garage and don't want to drive any of them. Did you hear me now? That's not the increase of God. That's the ungodly prospering in the world. And people have seen that, and some people have experienced it and saw the hollowness of it. And that's why they got saved and they denounce it. And they say, they try to say, oh, I don't want any of this world's goods. And don't realize that the cattle on a thousand hills is the Lord's. The silver and the gold is His. The knowledge He gave for people to have the technology of all the nice stuff, it comes from Him. The devil had just stolen it and tried to use it for His stuff. And yeah, if you had to choose between money and God, you'd be a fool to choose money. But the blessing of the Lord makes rich with zero sorrow. (laughs) Oh, glory to God. (laughs) Means you could live in a 50-room mansion and just go from room to room going, glory to God, glory to God. Glory to God. <laughs> you could have nine new cars and rip down the road with the window down going, Whoo! Glory to God. God is good. God is good. God is good. And the Lord know that you'd liquidate all of it in a moment and do whatever he said do with it. You've proved it over and over and over again. Because that's not where your treasure is. Your treasure is in him. Your treasure's in heaven. Can you say glory to God? God. (laughs) Isn't God good? Oh, he's so good. You can't enjoy a new car like it's supposed to be enjoyed without the Holy Ghost with you and your angels with you and your friends and good fellows. You can't enjoy a new house. You can't enjoy anything like it ought to be enjoyed. Without the peace and the joy and the fellowship of God and his people. God wants us to increase more and more. Now we talked about last night how this increase, the next level of this increase begins. And I just wanted to specify that we're talking about the increase of God. 
specifically. And in 2 Corinthians 3, if you're still there, and verse 17 says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Liberty. Not bondage. Liberty. But we all with open face, no veil over our face like Moses, beholding as in a glass or a mirror the glory of the Lord, we're changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, this bespeaks progression just like Psalm 115. The Lord will increase you what? More and more, you and your children, as you behold, like in a mirror, the glory of God, you're changed. How? From glory to glory. Do you see the connection here? By the Spirit of the Lord. In fact, if you're a student of the Word, you'll know that numerous times the word glory is used in referring to wealth and prosperity. Numerous times. So saying from glory to glory is saying from increase to increase. And blessing to blessing. Of course, not just financial. Always. But where does this increase begin? Is it the will of God for you, me, all of us to move up from where we are? Hmm? Our personal lives to advance. Our financial lives to come up from where we are. Instead of dabbling in this little amounts, come on up to some real numbers. Hmm? Telephone numbers. (laughs) International telephone numbers. (laughs) Huh? Could it be the will of God? Well, would he rather all that money be in a sinner's hands that don't even acknowledge him? That's going to spend it on drugs and pornographic stuff or whatever? Or would he rather it be in the hands of a man or woman of God that will use it to advance the gospel and help people? Doesn't take too much figuring to see that, yeah, that would be the will of God. Is it the will of God? For every church represented in here or watching by internet tonight or every ministry to advance, to increase, twofold, fivefold, tenfold, more than that. Would it be the will of God? That's not the whole crowd. But now, you know, we just got to be honest with ourselves. Sometimes it means more work. And a lot of times folk, they really don't want it because they just are doing all they want to do right now and keeping up with all they want to keep up with. So let's just keep it small and manageable. (laughs) I've heard people say, yeah, that's why I don't want one of them old big houses. Because dear me, it's just more rooms to clean and burns more electricity. You seen the electric bill on them big houses? Insurance. (laughs) So that means God could never use you to house three families for the week of increase. You're not even open to it. Are you with me now? Or to bring some folks in off the street that really need your help, have them live with you for half a year. Or a year. God could never use you. 
Because instead of listening for the will of God, all you see is electric bill. (laughs) Brother Kenneth Copeland says something to me years ago that I never forgot it. It etched in my spirit. He and I were sitting at the table eating a bite. And uh, he just stopped, laid his fork down. I forget, we were talking about numerous things, ministry and equipment and outreach. And he laid his fork down. He said, Keith, if you make decisions based on money, you'll miss it again and again. But if you make decisions based on how it affects the anointing, you'll be right again and again. Because, see, people are so afraid they're going to spend a little too much money on something. Or something's going to cost a little too much. And, friend, this is, a, this is something that's crippling. Churches and ministries and people is how much does it cost? There are people, they want to know that answer before they even pray. And if the number is too big, then they don't pray. They, all they're interested in is how much does it cost? And when they hear the number, that's it. That's the end. Oh, that's too much for me. We couldn't afford that. You can't afford what you're doing. (laughs) What does that mean, afford? That's another way of saying what I can produce. What I can make happen. Link those two in your mind. The next time you hear yourself say what you can afford, you just got through saying what I can do, what I can produce. And if you're limited to that, you'll never get into the full will of God. Never. I mean, and anybody in here that's followed the will of God can hold up your hand and say amen to this. Everything Phyllis and I ever did in the ministry, we did not see how we could do it. In fact, we had people sometimes line up and tell us, you can't do it. (laughs) Are you crazy? You can't do this. You can't do that. How many times did you hear these last four or five weeks, you can't do that? You know, not enough time. You can't do it within this time. Can't be done. You can't get it by then. You can't do this. I mean, there are people who will line up and sing choruses to you. Too much. Where are you going to get the money? Where are you going to get the support? You can't do that. You can't do that in this country. You can't do that in this state. You can't do that with this government. You can't do that with this economy. You can't do that with these people in power. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. And yet all the time, Philippians has been saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, even if it costs $20 million. See, people have lambasted folk like us about prosperity. And you know why? Because the devil's behind it. It's puzzled me at times why people cared so much. They weren't in the church. They weren't given any money. They didn't do anything. And yet they're so mad and they're so upset. I'm thinking, why? Why do you care? I mean, the devil stirs up people supernaturally. Did you know in Paul's day, people followed him around, paid their own expense to travel and hotel bills and food to cause him trouble in his meetings? Why would you do that? (laughs) 
Because you're demon inspired. And why does the devil care about this? Because he's been endeavoring to teach us how to use our faith to believe for our little cars and our little houses and our little stuff to get to a place where that didn't mean anything to us. But the principles we learned, come on now, and to get to the place where we didn't faint and fall out because somebody said a million dollars. So he could start talking to us about five million dollar projects. Are you listening now? And then get to the place where five million didn't scare us. So then he could talk to us about a $25 million project. But the truth is, with so many folks, he can't talk to them. He can't even bring it up. They won't even consider it. They won't even look at it. Because they're in awe of that amount. They're looking at one, zero, 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 zero. And it's flashing. And the devil's going, you ain't never seen a million dollars. Ain't nobody you know ever seen a million dollars. And you ain't never going to see a million dollars because you ain't a millionaire. You just poor folks. But you proud. We poor, but we proud. (laughs) Broken proud. (laughs) Proud about what? God will deliver you from both of those conditions. (laughs) The poverty and the pride. We got to get to the place where we sow the biggest thing we got and don't blink an eye and believe for it many fold and it comes in. And what happens year after year, then we get to where things don't scare us. Amounts don't scare us. Projects don't scare us. And we don't think in money, we think in terms of the vision of God. And it just happens to take this much money to do this vision, and that's really coincidental. The money amount was never the deal. The deal is doing the will of God. And whatever it takes to get it done, God will do. Because it's His plan. It's His will. But if we get hung up on the amounts... Then we're walking by sight and no longer by faith. So when does this next increase? How does it come in us? How is it going to come up and come out? It begins with a greater vision. Not with more money. It begins with greater vision. As we behold, like in a glass, like in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. We're seeing something. And as we're beholding him and his glory, we're being changed. Changed to the point we can conceive it. We can see it. We can see it happening. While I'm preaching, God's talking to people. I know it. God's ministering to people. We can see it happening. Now go with me to the book of John. This is something I'm so excited about. John 5. What kind of increase are we talking about? The increase of God. How does it begin? It doesn't begin out here. It begins in here. It begins with us seeing something greater. 
This is how Jesus operated. Shouldn't we compare our ministry to his on a regular basis? Shouldn't we desire to accomplish in ministry what he did? He doesn't change. So is his will to do through us what he was doing. How did he do it? Did Jesus have plenty of financial support? You know, if finances were as big a deal to him as it were to a lot of people, we'd have all of his figures in the Gospels. (laughs) Of how much and how big it was. And No, why is none of that there? Because it was just all taken care of. They had more than they needed all the time. They had enough to where they had to have a treasury to keep track of it and enough to where he could embezzle. And they still had plenty. How many know you only got five dollars? Did somebody take one? <laughs> You're going to know it. People are going to miss it. <laughs> it's humorous to me, these people talking about Jesus, how broke he was and how poor he was and how we are supposed One fellow heard him talking on, on a international news program one time, and he talked about a preacher having a nice car. And uh, he said, well, he said, you know, the Bible says these preachers are supposed to lay down with the lepers. <laughs> I thought, what? what? Lay down with the lepers. Now, first of all, he probably couldn't have found a Bible. There's nothing like that in there. But I noticed the host nodded with him. And the other guests were like, yeah. And to hear the world tell it, if you and I are Christians, or especially if we're ministers, we ought never go on vacation and spend any money. We ought never have an expensive, nice car. Okay, what kind of car should we have? (laughs) Oh, I don't know, but you shouldn't have that. Well, okay, how nice? Tell me, how nice can I have? (laughs) And who gets to decide what that is? (laughs) So I'm supposed to be restricted to your unbelief. If you can't believe for it, I'm certainly not supposed to have it. And why? Because you believe the preachers are supposed to lay down with the lepers. <laughs> it is ignorance. It's, but it would be more funny if so many people didn't take it seriously. But they do. They get aghast and they go, oh, my Lord, you know. Okay, if you had something that was super expensive, would it make any difference how you got it? What if you paid less for it than somebody did their cheap one? What if somebody just gave it to you? Are you still supposed to say, oh, I can't have this. Oh, I can't have this. Why? Because preachers are supposed to lay down with the lepers. (laughs) I can't have this. And people, I'm telling you. We laugh about it, but ministers all over the place are not doing things and they're hiding things. Are you listening? Because of the conceptions and perceptions. You ought not do anything you're ashamed of. You ought not be doing it. And listen to this, friends. It's not what you have. 
It's how you got it. That's it. It's how you got it. Now, if you took up money for an orphanage and went and spent it on a Ferrari, <laughs> you're a rascal. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but if you sowed your seed and you claimed your harvest and you believed God and God dealt with people and gave you favor and gave you deals and money and it came the right way. That's right. Did you hear me? Yes, sir. And if you're a tither and if you sow a big portion of your income, you sow 20, 30, 50 percent of your income and somebody don't even tithe is going to judge you. Are you with me now? What business is it of theirs if you got nine mansions, 12 airplanes, and six yachts, and they don't even tithe? If it came the right way. That's the whole bit. Whether you're a believer, whether you're a minister, the rules are the same. And here's what a lot of people don't realize. If it's wrong for me to have it, it's wrong for you to have it. <laughs> if you're a Christian... It's a fact. Well, we're having fun now. Why am I getting into all that? Because the very people that talk the most about not talking about money, that get so annoyed about it, it's because it is an idol to them. It means too much to them. It's why they get so upset about money is because money is an idol. And they are in awe of money. Money should be just to us a tool to get the will of God done. Having big piles of money in your account doesn't make you anything, doesn't put you anywhere with God. Can He make you happy by itself? But, friend, Having all the resources you need and all the equipment and all the buildings and lands and personnel to do the whole plan of God and to do it excellently. That's prosperity. Come on now, that's prosperity. Instead of pinching every nickel and dollar something come up, you say, hey, hey, God dealt with us. We're going to take care of it. Don't worry about it. Done. Let's go and believe for something else. Let's do it. Let's get her done. Get her done. And be able to do it. That's prosperity. That's the increase of God. And it belongs to you. It belongs to me. Where is it going to start? It starts inside us. With a greater vision. If we can't see it. We'll never have it. Did you turn to John? John 5. Hallelujah. Just close your eyes for just a minute. God is working in people's hearts right now. Everybody pray it out loud. Say it out loud. Lord, work in me. To will and to do. Of all your good pleasure. Make me. Perfect. Complete. In every good work. To do. What is well-pleasing in your eyes. Fill me and manifest to me the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I want to see it. 
I want to hear it. I'm willing to receive it. And I'm willing to believe nothing is too big. Nothing is too hard for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus ministered by the Spirit. He ministered in miracles. I mean the true riches. Revelation that is burning in our hearts tonight after these centuries. Blind eyes opening and deaf ears and lame walking and dead being raised and demoniacs being set free by power, power, power. And people's spirits being loosed and the blindness and scales falling off their eyes from centuries of darkness and confusion. But how did he do it? And is it how we're to minister? Are we to minister like he did? Then we're going to have to find out at some point how he did it if we're ever going to do it. See, we've still got large portions of the body of Christ that have placed his whole ministry in an area unattainable to all of us. Millions. Well, then you're certainly never going to operate like he did, and you don't even believe you can, or that it's his will, or that she's in such a category different from you that it's unattainable. Now, as our substitute, as our sacrifice, he is in a different category. Never sinned. Tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. That's a different category. Yet he did it as a man. Offered up his blood. Sinless. Spotless. Only his blood qualified to be the sacrifice. What he did at the scourging post. What he did at the cross. What he did in the heart of the earth. What he does now at the right hand of the Father. That's in a category apart from us. Yes. But his ministry, the way he preached, is available to you and me. The way he taught is available to you and me. The way he prophesied, the way he ministered to the sick, the way he cast out devils, the way he spoke to the wind and the waves, calmed the storm, available to you, me. Most folk don't believe it. Can you say, I do? I do. I do. 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 John 14, Jesus said, He that believes on me, the works I do, he will do also. If you believe the Bible, you've got to believe that then. And he went on to say what? Greater. Isn't that what we're talking about? Greater. Greater. Greater works. Why? Because it's always the will of God to go up further. Greater, bigger, grander, farther, stronger, better. Because God is the God of increase. That's who He is. That's His nature. I was preaching a series some while back about, you know, God of too much. I was thinking about the 23rd Psalm. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup does what? Runs over. And the question came to my mind. I thought, doesn't God know when the cup's full? 
Well, certainly. Wouldn't he know the last drop he could put in there before it went over the side? Well, then why would he run it over? Why? It's his nature. I said, it's his nature. It's his nature. He just pouring. And you're going, God, God, it's getting on the table. He laughs and goes, I know. Ha, ha. Ha, watch this. God, it's a running off the table. He goes, ha, ha, no. Ain't it great? Ain't it great? Watch this, watch this. God, it's a running out the door. He goes, ha, ha, no. It's wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> That's our Father. He is the too much. More than enough. Exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. God. Somebody say, that's my father. That's my father. Hey. Glory to God. We see those kind of miracles in the ministry of Jesus. Loaves and fishes. Multiplied till it was too much for him to eat. Twelve baskets left over. Such a catch of fishes. Nets couldn't hold them. Got their buddies' boats and boats couldn't hold them. It was a net breaking. Ship sinking. <laughs> too much. But now, can you and I minister that way? Can we experience things in life like that? Yes, if we are ever to, we must believe it's possible. We must believe what he said, that the works he did, if we believe on him, we can do too. Well, who do you think you are? He's the son of God. Yeah, but he did them as son of man. He did them anointed as a man. And he said, if you believe on me, the works I'll do, you will do too. And greater works than these will you do. How did he do them? John 5 tells us precisely how he did them. John 5, verse 19. Well, verse 17. There's been a miracle. This man that was, you know, impotent man he's called, laying by the pool, was healed. He's made whole, able to walk. And they uh, found fault with him, Jesus. And the Bible said, verse 17, well, verse 16, they sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. It's something how many experts there are on how you're not supposed to do it. But they don't do it themselves. They can't do it, but they are sure quick to tell you how you're not supposed to do it. They said, oh, you can't come on the Sabbath day. There are six days of which men work. Come on them and be healed. Of course, they never had a healing day themselves. Never. Ever. But they can correct him. <laughs> There's a lot of these folks around. A lot of them. They're doing nothing. But they feel qualified to correct others who are doing things. You know. God hasn't appointed any of us judges. In fact, he told us what? Don't judge. Judge not. Do not judge. 
They're another man's servant. They're his servant. Who are you that judges another man's servant? Scripture said. And even though you know something, even though you can see where they're wrong, maybe you can, maybe you're correct in what you're seeing, doesn't mean you have a place in their life or that God wants to use you to talk to them. Particularly if it's somebody that's an elder over you. You're elder, somebody that's over you. You may see something glaringly. You may know some things. Doesn't mean you have any right to say anything. Are you with me now? See, we live in a society that's lost a bunch of this. Got young people talking up to their parents and opening their mouths when they should be quiet. Well, I saw it. Well, so what? You saw it. Seeing something and knowing something is not the same as direction to speak. I know that's a great revelation to a lot of folks. But you'll know you're growing up some when you see it, you know it, you're aware, but you just sit there like you don't. And you keep your mouth shut. Because it's not your place. They said, uh, in fact, they said they sought to kill him. Verse 17, Jesus made it worse. (laughs) How many glad he didn't back off? How many glad he didn't let anybody bully him? He didn't let any devils or crazy, confused religious people shut him down? He could have just ministered on the next day and saved himself so much trouble. Or could have backpedaled a little bit when they called him on it. But he says, my father's working and I'm working too. Whoo, that made him really mad. <laughs> That's like throwing kerosene on the fire. They're already upset about this Sabbath day deal. <laughs> what they're really upset about is he's getting results. And they're not. What they're really upset about is his big crowds. Oh. <laughs> and he says, my father is working. And I'm working. And they said, oh, what? What? Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him. Now they're really trying to kill him. Because he not only broke the Sabbath... But he said God was his father, making himself equal with God. How can I say this, Lord? Religious, ungodly religious people are some of the meanest people on the planet. Man, they will stab you. They'll knock you down and give you three scriptures why it's okay. Mean people. And one of the biggest things they emphasize is how God is too holy to talk about. And God is too holy for us to even be in the same room with. Because they don't know him at all. And when they hear somebody come along that said they talked to him this morning and he talked back, ah. People hearing from God, that just makes me sick. 
God told them this. God told them. You know why? Because they're not even born again. They don't know God at all. And that's how they did Jesus. Every time he said something, they're, oh, oh, oh. How dare you? Blasphemy. Blasphemy. And they're the ones that's blaspheming. Attributing what he's doing to the devil. Blaspheming the Holy Ghost. Jesus warned them about that. Jesus knew his father. Didn't he? He was comfortable with his father. Not disrespectful. Not haughty. Not proud. I mean he said all the time. I can do nothing of myself. Didn't he? All the time. But. At one point it got so heated in John 8. He said, I am of my father. You are of your father, the devil. And if I say I don't know him, I'd be a liar like you are. Because I know him. Because they were so adamant about all they. See, these guys have spent all their life, half their life in the seminary. They got degrees. They can quote scriptures. They can rattle it off to you. And that's what he said. Search the scriptures. Oh, that was a slap in the face. Search the scriptures. That's all they did. Search the scriptures. Because in them, you think you got eternal life. They're telling you about me. Here I am. And you won't come to me. The, what they've been reading about, talking about, studying about, dissecting the verses and looking up the definitions in the original languages for decade after decade is standing in front of them and they don't have a clue. They're despising him. May it not be so with us. I said, may it not be so with us. I believe the Spirit of God is manifesting in these days and will in such degrees that some will be offended. Some will say, oh, no, no, we don't know. I'll come and bring my notebook and take notes and buy CDs. But I don't know about this. (laughs) A form of godliness. But what? A lot of people believe in the power on paper. Till the power manifests. And then they go, ooh, 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 ooh. Oh, what is that? Oh, 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 oh. That's spooky. That's supernatural. Well, yeah. He's a spirit. (laughs) And we got to get used to him manifesting. We got to get open. We got to let him stretch us. We got to get to where he can do something we never seen or heard, and we go, "Ooh, that's different." But uh, hey, I like it. I like it. You, God, you like it. I like it. That's, yeah. But there will be some who'll get annoyed, and they'll want to go somewhere where it's more comfortable to their flesh, because stepping out by faith is uncomfortable. To your flesh, because you don't know what's happening next. You don't know where you're going. You step out, you don't know where you're going to put your foot. <laughs> you just believe in something will be there when you step down. Uh, a lot of folk are not willing to step out like that. Jesus said, I'm working, 
My father's working. I'm working. They got mad. They got upset. Tried to kill him all the more. Verse 19. Get this now. Then answered Jesus and said to them, Verily, verily, I say to you. He's telling us how he did it. The son can do nothing of himself. But what? The son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees. He does what? Sees. The Father do. So everything that Jesus did in ministry, he saw it before he did it. Isn't that right? He saw it before he did it. Somebody say, he saw it before he did it. The Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. He said, I see the Father do it, and I do it. My Father works, and I work. This is it. The ministers that I've been able to see and be around that have ministered in stronger anointings, every one of them, same way, same way. You'll see some of them we talked about last night that have been used in some stronger ways. They'll get to a certain place and you can tell they're just waiting. They don't know what to do. They can't make it happen. And then they'll see it. And you can tell by the expression on their face when they see it. It's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Got it now, got it now. What'd they see? What'd they see? They saw him do it. But now here again and again, this I think sometimes we haven't made the connection. How did he do it? He does it through people. And so many times when you're seeing him do it, the way you saw him do it is you saw him do it through you. Or sometimes through somebody else. He was using people, but this is the correct way to say it. He's the one that did it. No matter who he went through. Oh, come on. Do you see this now? This is the way to say it. Of course, Jesus is always right. My father in the faith, and a lot of you too, uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin, who's in faith now. Uh, yeah, he's in faith. In heaven too. You ever heard him say more than once? He had a mini vision. M-I-N-I. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He said, I was praying this afternoon. And I saw this. And sometimes people try to make it more spectacular than it is. But it doesn't have to be an open vision. It doesn't have to be falling in a trance. It can be a spiritual seeing. Remember the Bible talks about the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. But if you're clear enough in your spirit and are not paying so much attention to your flesh, you'll notice these things. And instead of just letting them fly right past your mind, you pay attention to them. And you note their significance. And what's even more important, you act on them. Somebody say, act on them. Because no matter what you see, until you act on it, there'll be no manifestation. And so Jesus is saying, my father is working and I'm working. I'm working with him. Aren't we workers together with him? And 
He said, I can do nothing of myself. So it's obvious he's not doing this as God, is he? Because if he was doing it as God, he couldn't say, I can't do anything of myself. He's got to be doing this as a man. And he said, I can do nothing of myself. Yeah, but he's sure doing some things. He just raised this old boy from the pool here that's been laying there how many years? 38 years. We're seeing people get healed right and left. We're seeing amazing things happen. He's sure doing it. And see, the organized church world has said, yeah, well, that's Jesus. He can do it. But he said, no, I didn't do it of myself. Didn't he? Jesus said, I can't do this of myself. The religious world doesn't accept what Jesus said. They say, oh, no, no, he did it because he's God and you can't because you're not. Don't try. Jesus said, I can't do anything. I can do nothing of myself. But what I see the Father do. And that's what I can do that. How are you going to come up to the next place, friend? Come on, come on. How are you going to come up to the next level of ministry? How's your church going to come up to the next level? Your ministry, your family, whatever. God's going to show you something. I said, God's going to show you something. He's going to show you something. He's going to speak to you. And while you're hearing it, you're going to see it. Ooh, glory to God. While you're hearing, you'll be seeing it. And when you can see it and you see him do it, you may see him doing part of it through you or through others, but you see him doing it. Once you see him do it, now you can do it. Because there's power in those words and in seeing from him that is enabling. Come on back to our text now. As you behold. Like in a mirror, the glory of God. What you seeing when you see in this? You're seeing him doing things. You're seeing him taking your ministry and your church out. You're seeing him taking your family up to another place. And while you're seeing it and beholding it and not letting yourself be distracted by all these, how much it costs and you can't do this and you can't do that. As you're looking at this, you are changed. Changes are happening in you. Maybe 10 years ago, you weren't in a place where you could believe for that. But you keep looking at this, and you're going to get to where you can. Maybe you weren't in a place to yield and to know how. But as you're looking and beholding, you are being changed. By the Spirit of the Lord and where He is, there's freedom. These things that are binding you and hindering you and holding you back are going to be falling off by the anointing. So that you can see it happen and you can step out and do it. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse here. Maybe we can close with this. What does it say? Pick up the last phrase there. Whatever he sees the Father do, that's what he does. Whatever he doeth, the Son does likewise. Verse 20. For the Father loves the Son. And what? Shows him. Shows him. Shows him. Oh, I'm so excited because God is showing people things this week. He's going to be showing people things on their bed tonight. Showing people things tomorrow as they're driving around. You're just going to be sitting in a light and see something. You're just going to see it. 
You're look, with your natural eyes, you're looking at the signal light, but you're going to see something else. You're going to see something else, and you're going to take it home with you. And here's the good news. If you can see it, you can do it. You can't do anything of yourself. If the master couldn't, you sure can't. But whatever you see, whatever you see him do, you can do too. There's power in the vision. There's enablement in the seeing. Mrs. I'm I don't know that I'm a prophet. I'm not a seer. You don't have to be a prophet to see these things. There are different levels of vision. There is open vision. There is falling into trances. We may talk about that some, but you might live your whole life and never have an open vision. It wouldn't mean you're unspiritual. It wouldn't mean that something's wrong with you. And you can fast and pray for 90 days until you fall and faint out. And not produce a vision and give yourself an open vision. In fact, you don't want to just push to have visions. Because the enemy can accommodate you with some junk. Oh, but every day of every believer's life, you can fellowship. Come on now, you can have communion with the Spirit of God. And if you won't be so absorbed in the natural and this kind of stuff, you'll become more aware of Him being inside you and Him sharing His thoughts with you and showing you things. And instead of it just flipping past your mind real quick, you'll take note of it. And you go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mm, there's something here. And once He has your attention and you open the door, now He begins to really show it to you. And when he shows it to you, you're not just standing there like somebody watching a movie. When he shows it to you, as you behold, this anointing, this glory is changing you from the inside out. It's changing your very spirit. It's changing your mind and your soul. And as you are watching it, you might have started here thinking, ooh. But as you're watching it, you're rising up to it. You're rising up to be able to conceive it and see it and believe it and do it. What did the next verse say, verse 20? Father loves the Son. Does He love you? Jesus said He loves you as much as He does Him. And because He loves us so much, you know what the Father does with us? He loves us so much that He, he shows us things. Glory to God. This is our future. This is our eternal future. In the ages to come, he's going to show us the exceeding riches of his grace. And from now on, you and I are going to be ooing and aahing and going, oh, glory to God. And after 10,000 years, he'll say, do you like this? We go, do we like this? Oh, God. And he'll say, look at this. Look at this. And we'll go, ah, ooh, glory. Now, now here's the thing. Maybe you've heard some of that said before, but put it with our text tonight. Even 10,000 years from now, when he's showing us things we never imagined, when we see them, is anybody else getting this now? When we see them, even then, what's going to happen to us as we're seeing them, we will be being changed more into his likeness 
and into his glory. And as we're seeing them, we will be enabled to do things never even crossed our dreams back in this life. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Read the rest of the verse. Because the Father loves us, loves him, loves us, he does what? He shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these. That you may marvel. (laughs) Is God's will increased for us? Is God's plan greater things for us? How are we going to get from where we are to the greater things? By communing with him. Looking at him. Not at each other. Not at ourselves. Looking at him. Listening to him. He is going to show us greater things. And when we see them, it changes us. And when we see them, we can do them. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.